Welcome to the week in sports cars here on the Marshall Pro Podcast. Brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Eh, little bit by Graham Goodwin. Slightly <laughs> DailySportsCard.com. Eh, just little minuscule amounts, maybe. All right, I'm just, kidding. More than smidge, half. Just a smidge. Yes, you're uh, smidge. Goodwin, uh, that was your your nickname back in your uh, early football days. For so many reasons. Yep. So hey, you are getting on a plane here uh, shortly, and I believe you're going to do that with the intent of going to a motor race. So why don't yeah, you tell it, us about that, and then also use that as a vehicle to say, hey, we're doing a bit of an early episode this week, maybe a half yeah. hour or so, talk through some things, and then maybe we'll do uh, some uh, some listener questions on the next episode. Next. I think that's probably right. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, yeah, Tuesday evening uh, here in the UK, and uh, as Marshall quite correctly says, off on our travels for not quite the penultimate time. There's a couple of other things uh, coming up now on the schedule, which you'll hear more about as we move forward. Uh, but European Le Mans series, uh, the final round, Portimao in Portugal. Um, with between the Leisure European Series, Michelin Le Mans Cup and the LMS, 101 cars on track uh, this weekend and lots and lots of championships up for grabs. So keep an eye on Delhi Sports Car, keep an eye on the YouTube coverage. It'll be me and Johnny Palmer and Hayley Edmonds uh, all free around the world for that one. Um, but yeah, looking through MP, some of the news of the last week or so, and there's one or two kind of sort of big ticket items, the one that absolutely grasped grasped me by the shoulders and shook me. I'm so glad was, you um, said shoulders. Uh, um, but we, we've talked about this before on, on the weekend sports cars, driver gradings. Mm. So we've got a list now of provisional driver grading changes for 2023, 137 changes, uh, which are effectively, well, I'd say confirmed, uh, some of those subject to appeal. And a further several dozen that are uh, still under review. So um, it's not a surprise that it's that big a number. We've you know we've talked before about the the changes um, that have been made to the ranking system, which effectively is trying to draw a uh, a bigger gap between a definition of a non-pro and a pro driver. It's trying to catch more of those super silvers. But for me, MP, you know, we can talk about some of the the names involved in that. Not least, by the way, congratulations, Johnny O'Connell, newly minted bronze-ranked driver. You got a job, Uh, man. That's my favorite line from the movie (laughs) Scarface. Yes. (laughs) But um, it it does strike me that, that the major point here is we know, because Stefan Mattel told us, that these are changes that were suggested by SRO, and they then persuaded the ACO and IMSA to go along with those changes. It does occur to me, looking at that list, there's a fair number of teams whose current plans are now in some jeopardy. And it does strike me that it's something of a surprise that the that the the championship organisers didn't go down the road of looking at what they've got this year, looking at what they might expect might come out of this, um, 
and deciding that, yes, this might be a bit of a problem. Uh, so I think we are going to see some changes in the way in which driver ranking uh, mashups can exist in some of the classes in all those uh, all those races. We're already hearing from SRO that they're taking another look at it. I'm, I am led to believe that LMEM's intention is to do that after this season. Now, that does strike me as being potentially quite risky. Um, I'm about to walk into the lion's den, and I'm sure I'll hear before I put one foot in front of the other from a number of teams um, that they are less than happy with their situation. There's two or three of them that have effectively lost ranking drivers um, in numbers, not just one from their um, uh, team, but, but, but others too. Uh, only early this week, we had an announcement that uh, Ollie Jarvis will be joined by Tom Blomquist. I know you've been writing about an IndyCar, Thomas, but they're going to be sharing a uh, United Autosports uh, LMP2 Orica in the WEC with young Josh Pearson. Or they will be if Josh Pearson's appeal against um, being upgraded from silver to gold is successful. Because if he's going to gold, you certainly can't have two platinums with them. So all sorts. I should of, also add here. Yeah. Waiting to be confirmed, but won't be surprised when we do see confirmation that Josh will be competing, doing a full season of Indy Lights. Oh, so really? Open wheel racing, the top level on the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Yes. Um, this, what? Not the same Cooper Tires? The same Cooper wow. Tires. Yes. So I just mentioned that. Because I know that a young person driving in an open wheel training category is not something that uh, deciders of endurance racing rankings would be swayed by. But I would just add that being 16 years old, or I don't remember if he's turned 17 or not, but being young and pretty quick. He'll be, seven, he'll be, he'll be 17 in February. Gotcha. Being young and pretty quick, right? Not outrageously fast yet, but uh, certainly more than capable of helming a, a LMP2 car and doing that well. Uh, but yeah, just saying that it'll be interesting, Graham, mm -hmm. to hear if and how such an appeal goes, knowing that if you look at his body of work preceding uh, the, the latest adjustment to driver rankings, which is what they do, right? They don't necessarily yep. look at what you're racing this year more of let's look at the most recent body uh probably have a, a pretty good argument to make but again you never know how what people look at or how they arrive at these decisions if you look at a move to what is the step directly below the ntt indycar series i wonder if that would just give a, a general impression that you know this kid really is doing all that he can to be that true, pure, pro-grade type driver, even though he hasn't achieved such success to be uh, instantly dropped into a platinum or gold type rating um, from, you know, again, success in a, a DPI, hypercar, IndyCar type level. Uh, just, I wonder, I do wonder, right? You know, the, the lanes there, the rulers are supposed to follow when coming up with such things, but I do wonder if, pending news of Josh moving to Indy Lights or adding Indy Lights might cause folks to go, huh, 
that that am argument might be getting a little bit harder to argue. I'm not saying it's harder to argue. I just fear that uh, some no, others might make that. I, I completely agree. I mean that that the 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 numbers this year are pretty pretty serious. I mean we've got 58 drivers going from silver uh, ranking to gold this year, um, which counts them out of a whole range of possible drives in GT, in LMP3, in LMP2, particularly if they're not bringing funding to it. And, you know, you look up and down this list, there's drivers from MSA, drivers from the WEC, the European Le Mans series, the GT World Challenge, Europe, etc. And on and on and on we go. And, and you know, like uh, Robbie Foley, Michelle Gatting from the Iron Dames, uh, Matt Bell, Rennie Binder, Enrique Chavez, uh, Malta Jakobsen, the young Dane that's uh, it's, uh, mind-meltingly quick in LMP3 on both sides of the pond. And so it goes on and on and on. Also, by the way, 25 new platinum-graded drivers this year. Now, a lot of those MP um, are drivers that are moving into the hypercar and GTP ranks from uh, factory or junior factory GT uh, racing. But 25 is a big number and not many coming the other way. In fact, just two uh, coming down from platinum to gold this year. Rubens Barrichello and Ollie, happy birthday, Gavin. Mm. Uh, so, you know, it, it, both of those, and Ollie wouldn't mind me saying so, uh, age-related. Ollie having just turned 70 years old this year. So Looks um, so good for his age. He looks great. You know, he 70. does. He's got a brand new line of Gavin, Ollie Gavin moisturizer. That's what it really? is. His daily he moisturizing must, regimen, must, such an underplayed part of his time as a professional race car driver. He must be really properly slapping it on. The last time I saw him, he had skin that looked like worn leather. Yeah, and, and um, another thing, just not spotted by most, but his helmet, the final yeah. years, uh, full-time with Corvette racing, much like the uh, windshield, had a, a small little facial wiper that went back and forth just to continually apply lotion to keep his skin youthful and smooth <laughs> this is gavin he, slander isn't it should that be a new kick, segment he's hey, gonna kick my ass <laughs> what's the, the gavin slander for this episode graham <laughs> anyway so there we go i mean lots of changes i think we are gonna see two things occurring in the in the coming days weeks months and the year uh, the first is an epic amount of moaning from drivers. Uh, I'm, I'm bracing myself for that and for teams. Epic second... amount of moaning. <laughs> that sounds like the, a commercial we need to make. Yeah. The second is pressure upon and I think probably moves towards some, in some cases subtle, in some other cases not quite so subtle, changes to the gradings that are permitted in some of these pro-am mixes in bred prototypes and GTs and the various championships that rely on these gradings because this is leaning very hard, MP, on the bronze drivers. And what I'm hearing from people in the business is there is concern that just aren't enough of them to go around. And, and by the way, we've lost a few of those as well um, in uh, this this mix-up. Amongst those, Ahmed Alhati from Aman Racing, uh, Freddie Hunt, uh, James Hunt's uh, son goes up from bronze to silver after putting in some excellent runs in uh, LMP3. Christian Poulsen, 
uh, Richard Highstand, Conrad Grunewald. I mean, names that are well known in international sports car racing. And by the way, I mentioned the Iron Danes briefly, uh, Sarah Bovey, their go-to bronze. Not anymore, she's not going to be, because come uh, January the 1st, she is going to be a silver-ranked driver. So the Iron Dames are looking for a new bronze. Indeed. Why don't we shift gears a little bit? Mm. What shall we talk about next? Let's talk about I want to say goodbye, and it's not quite a goodbye. But You're quitting the show. No. Um, it's And it's not really sports cars, but it is endurance racing. Um, one of the great races on the calendar took place uh, this last weekend, and it was the very last for a very famous name in the sport. And that race would be the Bathurst 1000, and that name would be Holden. Mm. So there are... Two more races to go in the 2022 supercar season. And they're, they're Gen 3 cars. They're moving to the Camaro and Chevrolet from Holden. And uh, the new Ford Mustang, which looks amazing, by the way, the Gen 3 supercar. But I just wanted to to pause for a moment and, and just reflect on what a massive part of the Aussie racing story Holden had been. 36 wins at Bathurst down through the years. Um, it, you know, in the, in the US, you've got Chevrolet. In the UK, sadly, we've got Vauxhall. Um, in mainland Europe, it's Opel. And in Australia, famously, it is Holden. And uh, I, I pop, popped a tweet up in the mid, midweek uh, MP. The only time I've ever contacted a car rental company and put a request in for a specific vehicle to be provided for my hire was... Uh, on Trudy and I's first visit down under back in 2000. And yes, I requested a Holden Commodore. Um, why? Because, because, you know, would I have rung if I was visiting the UK and asked for a Vauxhall? No, 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 I would not. Um, but there's something about that, that brand that is just ingrained in the consciousness of motorsport fans. And, and it's, it's sad that it's gone. I mean, the, the, the manufacturing the cars in Australia went some years ago. Um, but I just wanted to take a moment just to reflect on that. And by the way, on the fact that Holden also have 24 hour race winning pedigree, uh, because before we had the Bathurst 12 hour, we had the Bathurst 24 hour. And yes, they cheated a bit and had some cheaty seven litre um, Holden and Aros, but my God, they were magnificent. So Holden, not just a supercars winning brand, but also 24 hours winning brand at Bathurst as well. We're going to miss them. Indeed. In indeed. Let's see, mentioned in a story late last week that we are expecting some evolution on the Corvette racing side with uh, mm-hmm. some of uh, the, the drivers, or at least one that we know of, that being Nick Tandy, who we are expecting to be confirmed, uh, returning to Porsche as part of, as part of its new uh, IMSA GTP program. From what I have heard... Good old Nick Tandy, overall winner, the 24 hours of Le Mans for Porsche, will be paired with the mightily awesome and fast, still waiting to win overall at Le Mans, uh, that being Felipe Nasser. So mm. waiting to hear his exit confirmed from Corvette. 
Uh, also, as I understand and wrote about, uh, there will be a reduction in their entries for the centenary at the 24 Hours of Le Mans, expecting a single Corvette entry there. Obviously, Graham, you can speak to the evolution coming in 2023 mm-hmm. in terms of the FIWC's uh, GT classes and such. I'm sure all of our listeners know all about that, but I have also had that on, on very, very strong account that, yes, uh, we will be uh, hearing a single uh, Corvette C8-based hot rod at next year's event. Uh, so a little bit going on there. Yep. Um, couple- that will, of course, be a GTE and with a program lineup because that's what's left. Uh, one more race for GTE Pro to go uh, at Bahrain, and after that, one more season of GTE goodness. Uh, but that will be in the GTE AM category only and i think there's some surprises to come in that class in terms of which teams how many cars teams are actually bringing there's no lack of ambition for that final year of gte um but uh yeah sad it's winding down it's been a magnificent part of the the racing architecture hasn't it yeah and part of the reasoning that i've heard and and mentioned was i can't say graham if this has been a formal request made to gt teams i don't know if it was an email i don't know if it was just face-to-face conversations or if it's just something they came up with on their own but there does appear to be a little bit of a initiative uh afoot for yeah we think we're gonna have a, a pretty decent prototype count uh next year across hypercar and gtp slash lmdh whatever uh, whatever number of manufacturers decide to come over from IMSA to play along with obviously again, the full season WEC uh, hypercar entrance and any additional entries they might look to run. I believe there's been a little bit of a, Hey, it's a centenary. We expect mm-hmm. everybody to want to get in and to play. We're also at the same time introducing a, a new class converged class expecting there to be a bit of a spike in uh in again the uh the overall hypercar class and i've i've heard not claiming this to be fact but i've heard there's just been maybe however the the message has been conveyed on the gt side even the lmp2 side which i wrote about as well you know we've been accustomed to having of late graham lmp2 kind of being half of the entries at le mans and i'm exaggerating but it has been a ton of cars hey we don't know if we're going to need all of you to help fill and you know give us a really big robust field for the centenary it might not be the worst thing if you said you know instead of firing in 19 entries a of course or whomever (laughs) maybe we dial that back just a tad because we think we're going to be a little bit heavy in the top category for the first time in a in a decent while and so there's just some expectation that there might be some compacting and, and reducing for this centenary elsewhere in the grid, including Corvette going from two to one. I do wonder, MP, whether there might be some subtext to this uh, for Corvette. Yes, there's this transition to GT3, and there's, there's news on that this week. But is this as well part of the the conversations we know happen between factories and race organizers about Cadillac. Cadillac have got a full season WEC car. That car will go to Le Mans. 
because they've got a full season WEC card, the rules say that they can request another entry um, for the Le Mans 24 hours. And my belief is that they will request another entry and we will have a two-car hypercar effort. We don't know which two yet. We don't know whether or not that's going to be the second Ganassi car or whether or not it might be the Action Express car. But the thought occurs to me, do they want three? Do they want both Ganassi cars and the Action Express car? And could this down rating, if you like, just a single car coming, be part of that backroom conversation or negotiation? Ultimately, the Le Mans 24 hours is an invitation race. Um, You would expect the ACL will want as many cars as possible in this brand new, very premium uh, top class that's one for a bit of hashtag wait and see. And by the way, while we're about it with Corvette, uh, there was news this week as well. Um, the first teaser uh, pictures and video of the car with its shakedown test. And this is the Z06 GT3.R, I think it's called. Um, and uh, Putnam Park, and I believe Road America for the test there with the Corvette Racing Test Team. And in parallel with that, by the way, what is set to become their mortal enemy in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. Uh, news as well from Ford Performance and Multimatic uh, of when we're going to get to see the uh, the Ford Mustang GT3 uh, set for an IMSA GTD Pro campaign in 2024. And that car will be unveiled publicly for the first time at Super Sebring in March of next year. So things are moving along at quite some pace, aren't they? Not just at the uh, the prototype end of the grid, but in GT as well. Um, we've, we've already seen the new Ferrari, the new Porsche, which will debut at, um, uh, internationally at Daytona next year, had its first race outing and a successful one at that, by the way, at the Nürburgring at the weekend. Ford will be showing their car off. Corvette are on the way as well, and more and more and more. So it's a it's an exciting time to be doing what we do and, and for those that, that watch and read about what we do um, it's been a long time I, in fact I can't remember the last time we had anything remotely close to this level of movement in the marketplace um, around there so that's a couple of things that are happening there is news emerging from some of my French colleagues MP uh, there's one thing that might not happen and that's GT3 Premium. Now, this is quite an interesting one. Pretty senior sources were telling me as uh, recently as, what, two, two and a half weeks ago, everything's fine. This is what it's all about. It's all to do with meeting these performance parameters. Yeah, but it's an agreement. And then all of a sudden, um, my French colleagues at Endurance Info started a thread of discussion and insights that is pointing in a very different direction. Now, what is GT3 Premium? This is what the ACO suggested for the WEC and, by the way, for the LMS as um, potential upgrades for GT3 cars. It's all about meeting a performance window, particularly drag versus lift, um, drag versus downforce, rather, um, uh, in in gt3 and that some cars i was told wouldn't need uh much if anything of a kit 
others might need some more substantial attention. There was a notional price cap put on that. Uh, but it, it, it seems, and the tone that I'm seeing and where that's coming from, I'm tending to believe it, that GT3 Premium might not be a thing. And if that is the case, not the first or even the second time that we've seen major sanctioning bodies attempt to mess with GT3 for a variety of reasons. The, the last one that did it was DTM, who wanted their GT3s to be the biggest, baddest things. That one bit the dust. And before that, lest we forget, SRO, uh, who wanted to have a bigger, badder GT3+, Plus to replace the GT1 cars and the GT1 World Championship. People forget about that one. Uh, it's never happened. And it's never happened because GT3 is a numbers game. It's a big numbers game. And there is sort of a, a, a premise here, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What say you, MP? Hmm. Considering how long it took us to get prototype convergence going, I'm just yeah. having some flashbacks here of, hey, yeah, so over in America, <laughs> they done went all GT3, and oh, hey, you know, over in Europe, they're going to do that. Okay, but maybe, but we'll see. And yeah, but I don't know, and we're not done, <laughs> but I hope, and come on, man. I mean, what do we... If we end up getting GT 2.5 is the new decision for the WEC, which is half a number better than GT 3, like, come on, man. You know, GT 3 Premium, GT 3 Plus, I think that's the streaming app. But anyways, um, I just hope, come on, man. You don't have to do anything crazy. There's a formula that works. I think our listeners know I'm not a big fan of, of spec, whatever, but this just does seem to work. The first season of GTD Pro, I think that went well. Uh, yep. I think it, it served its intended purpose. Replacing GTE Pro slash GTLM over here, just if we're going to align, let's align. But wouldn't it, yep. Graham, be the most sports car thing for this to get done on prototypes but then poop the bed on gts uh, across well, the two it, major it, organizations it wouldn't, the, it wouldn't be the first time would it i can uh, recall uh back in i want to say 2002 uh having covered the rolex 24 hours and then the sebring 12 hours and a team running the same porsche gt2 car at that point in both of those races. I think I'm right in saying that that was the case. And the amount of rebuild that was required between the two specifications that were allowed, it was days. It was days in the paddock to uh, one on flat floor, one didn't, blah, blah, blah. What, what history teaches us is if you try to to differentiate yourself to that limited degree. It simply doesn't work commercially. It just doesn't work. Look at what happened with Grand Am, their GTD, which for the most part were dumbed down um, GT3 cars or dubbed up Porsche Cup cars. Um, the reality was once that was exposed in the glaring light of day, to what the LMS was bringing to the Tudor United Sports Car Championship back then, not sustainable. 
not not sustainable at all. That the market told them very very quickly. Yeah, that's been great, uh, but now it's together. We want this, and that's the teams were telling them that. The people paying for those teams were telling them that. The factories were telling them that. Because why would you go to the expense of re-engineering those cars for one series? And it, it's it, I know when this was announced that there was bewilderment, not just that it was announced, but that we weren't told what it was. And that that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign when you've not got something you can tell people publicly other than this is how much we think it's going to cost. It'd be good to move forward and move forward, we hope, with very healthy grids of prototypes and GT cars in, in both of those major series. Uh, looking down on what else we've got, one other quick change. And I can't remember, by the way, whether or not this happened around the time of the show last week. Did we talk last week about the fact that Petit Le Mans Clash is gone? I think so, but why don't we close on that regardless okay. and assume that maybe some folks didn't hear it if we did talk about it or we didn't say enough words about it last week if we did speak about it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with two or three bits and pieces. One uh, to say is, by the way, congratulations, Sheldon van der Linde, uh, newly crowned DTM champion, and also, by the way, MP, will be joining BMW Team RLL uh, for the endurance races in GTP, as will Mark Whitman, who won uh, the final race of the season in the DTM. Um, not taking part uh, for the final race of the season, uh, the FIWC, will be James Rossiter, uh, late replacement, remember, for uh, Kevin Magnussen uh, after he moved to the Haas Formula One team. But James has gone off and accepted a team principal role with another Stellantis brand, Moose and Peugeot, to Maserati in Formula E. And we wait for the almost inevitable um, confirmation of Nico Muller to make the move into that race seat. So that's some driving news. Um, PLM clash, we've, we've got rid of one of the clashes we had with LMEM, with uh, the ACO finding an opportunity, or LMEM finding an opportunity to move the Portimao ELMS dates back one week. There is still a clash between the finale for... GT World Challenge Europe. Um, lots of news. Not a lot of time, I'm afraid, this evening. Uh, and there hasn't been time, unfortunately, for uh, all sorts of reasons, some of which might become obvious in the coming weeks, uh, to get a call for questions out. We'll change that. Um, and I'll send out a call for questions as I hang on in Portimao for the always incredibly interesting postseason test day uh, there. So I'll hang on on Monday in Portugal, and we'll get a call for questions out there in the wake of uh, the happenings uh, in Portimao. For now, though, uh, we're going to say thank you very much indeed to uh Tires, to Justice Brothers, to TorontoMotorsports.com, to you, Marshall Pruitt, for uh, again making the time to do this. I know it always has a very positive impact whenever uh, the Weekend Sports Cars hits the web. He's been Marshall Pruitt. I've been Graham Goodwin. This has been the Week in Sports Cars podcast, part of Marshall Pruitt's podcast emporium. It is. We promise we'll see you next week. But we might have just lied.